it's Coach Tori, and this is Raising Runners. We talk running, fitness, mental health, and so many more topics. As the founder of a youth running program, I approach all of our conversations with our youth athletes in mind and kind of have a focus around those things. But as you will see, we are finding that all of these topics relate to runners and people who like to move and do fitness or anything like that um, relates to everybody. Check it out. Hey, it's Coach Tori and Jeff. Oh, and Jeff. <laughs> and this is Raising Runners. And today we are joined by an amazing staff from Ripple Ranch Recovery. We have Sam. I should have asked how to say your last name. Is it Ribeiro? It's super close. Ribeiro. Oh, okay. I just added a little extra flair to it. <laughs> but... Absolutely. <laughs> hey, Sam, how's it going? It's going really well. Thank you for asking. How are y'all? Great. Um, so if you could tell us actually a little bit about um, Ripple Ranch Recovery, uh, and then I'm sure we'll get into how you found your way there. Um, but I know sometimes we usually wait till the end to go like, tell us about where you're from and all that stuff. But I feel like it is pretty relevant to our conversation today. So if you could talk about what Ripple Ranch is first. Sure, absolutely. Thank you. Um, so Ripple Ranch is a residential treatment center. We're located in Spring Branch, Texas, which is about 20, 30 minutes north of San Antonio. Uh, at the ranch specifically, we offer detox for clients who are uh, just coming off of, or attempting to come off alcohol use or other substances. Um, and then we also offer a residential program that lasts about 30 to 45 days. Uh, we're situated in a really great spot. We're on a 20 to 25 acre ranch. Uh, so there's a lot of, of room. There's not quite running trails, but there are some good walking trails. They're a little technical. Um, but yeah, there we have a uh, a program that caters to both individuals struggling with substance use as well as uh, other mental health diagnoses. So we don't, we're not specifically for substance use. Really, I think our, our specialty is working with people who have co-occurring disorders, right? Like substance use history as well as mental health. Um, but we do offer tracks for substance use as well as mental health primary. So we do have clients that come in struggling with depression or anxiety, uh, but don't have that history of substance use that also come uh, to our program. And I think for that reason, we're really a clinically driven program. You have programs uh, that that incorporate Alcoholics Anonymous or other 12-step or peer-led peer programs. And we certainly do expose to that and have groups come in. But really, our, our main focus is clinical groups and, and individual clinical sessions with clients. Um, so all of our therapists are master's level. They're all trained in EMDR, which is utilized to treat trauma. It's one of the leading trauma modalities right now. Um, so that's kind of our, our main focus. It's a really beautiful campus where we're relatively small. We can only have 32 clients at a time. Um, and then outside of that, we have what we it's called Continuum Outpatient Center. And that's our step-down facility. And that's in San Antonio proper. And uh, that's where we offer partial hospitalization. So clients go Monday through Thursday for the day, but then return home or wherever they live. Um, and then we have an intensive outpatient program, which runs three days a week. And that's for adults or adolescents. Uh, and, and similarly, treating both substance use and mental health disorders. 
Um, for people who don't know, can you just give like a very general explanation of E? Oh my gosh, now I'm going to get the acronym wrong. EMDR. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I won't go into to details details uh, because there are better people to do that. Um, but it stands for eye movement desensitization reprocessing, um, and it's been around for a little bit a little while now. Um, but it's one of the more modern uh, modalities for treating. Um, trauma and, and PTSD specifically, you can, there's a, there's a book called the body keeps the score where they talk about it quite a bit. Um, and it's, it's pretty intensive. It's, it's, it's something that we really, um, feel strongly about as something that enables clinicians and clients to work, uh, intensely together for that relatively short time they're in our care. Um, toward resolving some of those traumatic experiences and reframing what that's like, how that, that role that plays in our lives. Um, so a big thing for us too, is when they finish after it's only, you know, four weeks or to six weeks. So if that's something that they uh, feel is helping them or we see this is, is helping them, then we really work to uh, either have them continue to our our aftercare program at Continuum or make sure they're set up with an EMDR therapist uh, once they leave. Awesome. Um, can you now actually first, can you explain briefly again, like your role? Cause I know you mentioned something about discharge and I feel like that's probably super important, especially as you mentioned, you know, it's a shorter term, um, program that you guys have. So the discharge planning is probably huge for a lot of these people. So can you talk a little bit about your role there? Sure. So my title is alumni and professional relations. So it's kind of a dual, uh, role. One focus is, I facilitate our alumni program. Um, so basically clients, whether they left triple 10 years ago or one day ago, uh, can come and meet on Tuesdays. We have a meeting and usually it's, it's really just about getting together, building fellowship and camaraderie and having fun in recovery. So providing that support to our alumni is a big part of my role. Um, and then another part is, is professional relations, right? So that's, networking and getting to know what services are out there and letting those services know that we also are out there so that we can ensure that um, clients that we have discharging, for example, we have reputable places to send them to. For example, like if a client's discharging and is going to need to maintain a medication regimen, right? They're going to need to see a psychiatrist. So for within the first 72 hours at Ripple Ranch, they're going to meet with their discharge planner. Um, they're going to do a, a, a needs assessment and determine what's needed for aftercare. And that'll change and continue throughout their time as the doctor, the psychiatrist, the therapist all work together to determine with the client, most importantly, what is needed. Then we'll try and refer. So some people need to go to or would like to go to sober living. So having a good network of sober livings that are available in whatever area they're discharging, because we have clients at Ripple Ranch that come from, I think, Probably at this point, we're close to all 50 states represented. Um, so making sure we have resources in their area that we could confidently say, you know, you're successfully completing our program. The work is really just beginning. Here are our, our referrals. And then we're going to work to set up the appointments before they leave. We're not big on saying, here's a sheet of people to call to set up an appointment. The case manager is going to sit with them and say, let's call this psychiatrist, get an appointment going. And, and that's kind of our, our philosophy on that. Yeah. Well, I always talk about how big community is in running and, um, you know, that's like all I ever talk about. I feel like 
<laughs> but, um, you know, it's so important in these kinds of things too, is like, yeah, you're, you're giving them tools, but you're also helping, you know, people as they are transitioning, because it can be so hard. I worked in residential treatment for children though, for a long time. Um, and yeah, that transition process. And even if you do all these steps to set them up, it's just like, it can be really scary to go from one place to the next to not have the same resources that you were successful with. Um, so I love that you guys are doing pretty much seems like everything you can to make sure no matter where they're going, whatever state they're from, they have tools to be able to continue to um, keep their recovery going. Um, and because I segued into running, uh, because I talk about running in community, uh, you mentioned, which I was surprised. I don't know why I was surprised. But I'm like, if people don't usually start with like, I'm a runner, I'm like, oh, this person's probably not a runner, but you mentioned <laughs> you run. So can you talk a little bit about your running journey? Like yeah. how you got into running? Were you an adult runner? Were you a runner all your life? When you started, you know, what you do now? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I did a little bit of track in high school, uh, but I was a pretty non-competitive uh, track athlete as I am a non-competitive runner today. <laughs> Same um, for all of us. <laughs> <laughs> but I definitely had a, I did the two mile in high school and I, I, I really enjoyed that. I think, uh, I think probably leaving high school, my longest distance was four or five miles. Um, and I, I grew up on in New York, but on a boardwalk. So we had this 4.2 mile there and back boardwalk. So I think that was kind of the the uh, standard distance for most most people who lived in that area. Uh, you get in your 4.2 and go to work or whatever it is. But uh, about four and a half years ago, I got sober, and uh, I came down from New York to Texas to do that. Um, and shortly after my time in residential treatment, I. Uh, I, I don't really know what happened. I, I started feeling this uh, desire to like take better care of myself. There were these changes happening, right? I was, I was heading down a different path and I kind of thought back to positive experiences I had in high school and some in college where I ran uh, as part of like my daily routine. So sometime in, I guess, mid 2019 uh, or end of summer, 2019, I started running. We live really close to a park here that uh, is beautiful. It's, it's along a, a greenway that has, I think, 30 miles of connected paved trails, but the park itself has an eight mile loop uh, and it's really beautiful. And I just started going out there. And uh, I think it was pretty early on after three or four weeks, as much fun as I was having, I wanted to set some sort of parameters to my running. So I looked at what races were coming up and I, I somewhat foolishly decided to run or sign up for at that time, the Austin marathon. Uh, and uh, so I, I did it with three months uh, before the marathon and started training. And it was, it was, it was a laborious process as, as somebody new into that level of commitment. But I ran that slowly with one of my best friends uh, who I went to treatment with. So it's this beautiful camaraderie experience, and we'll be returning this year for our fifth race in Austin, but our, only our second full. We've been running the half every year since then. That's a little bit more feasible. Um, but yeah, since that point, it's been a, a a really big part of my life, my recovery, my wellness as a whole. Uh, I've run probably nine or ten half marathons in that time, and then I ran a marathon in St. George, Utah, which was a spectacular uh, experience. Um, yeah, so that's kind of, that's kind of my running journey. So I'm, I'm probably a four or five time a week runner and I'm, I'm gearing up to start training for Austin, uh, come October. That's awesome. 
Hey, uh, that's a good transition into, um, you know, mental health and physical fitness. There's a link to uh, positive outcomes. If someone's physically active, they tend to have a lower mental health um, issues in, in, in their everyday life. Is there, um, from your experience, how do you motivate an individual who's coming in with a depression to go out, like you said, like you just went out and signed up for a marathon. So like, how, how do you motivate someone to do that from a clinician standpoint? I know you're not necessarily a clinician, but. Yeah, I think that's, that's, that's an, it's a good question. I think that someone in, in this case, I think for one, showing them some data on this, right? Like there's a lot of science now that shows a lot about the, our brain chemistry and our body chemistry and how we react to physical activity um, and how beneficial it can be. And I'll, I'll segue quickly and then come back to it. At Ripple Ranch, we have a program called Recovery in Motion that comes three times a week and we, we alternate that with yoga. So most days of the week, there's some movement involved for that reason, because we know that it can be beneficial and it makes people feel good, uh, particularly in the morning, right before the day starts to get in some sort of workout, get your body moving um, is, is really important. Uh, we believe and, and I believe, but I think on like a one on one level to motivate someone to do that. I mean, if they have the interest is, is offering to do it with them. You know, I think that inviting someone to go for a run or a walk and then trick them into running a little bit on that walk um, can be really beneficial and let them feel the positive effects themselves. And, and if, if, if that takes, then, and then supporting them through that journey. Yeah, that's great. Cause I think the study showed that it didn't have to be going out and running a marathon. Like it really could just be actively walking uh, vigorously. It, you, you get the same benefits as you do with, with running. So. Absolutely. I think that if, if, if we can all get out there for 30 minutes a day, whether that's a walk, a, the Stairmaster, a bike, whatever, particularly, I, I will say that I think adding nature to that, right, being outdoors, getting sunlight uh, is really beneficial as well. But just moving your body, even if it's just for 30 minutes, at, at really any level of intensity that you can motivate yourself to do that day um, can be really helpful. Yeah. It sounds like your organization is probably a little bit more maybe progressive than a lot. From what I've read, it, it sounds like there's some resistance at the at the clinical level to recommending physical fitness for, or at least helping an individual get to physically active. Have you seen a, an uptick in that recommendation coming out of the therapeutic side to the patient to say you need to incorporate physical fitness into into your uh, everyday therapy? You know, I couldn't say for sure, like if I see an uptake, uptake, uptick on individual therapists recommending that, but I can speak to the overall San Antonio community and Austin as well. These are kind of the communities that I work within. And it seems that physical activity is more prevalent in mental health spaces. So I would guess that the answer to that question is yes, right? I, I mentioned a, the, the organization called the Recovery in Motion in San Antonio. Um, there's another organization uh, in this general central Texas region called, I think it's called Active Recovery Coaching. Um, there's a lot of programs now that are incorporating it um, into their clinical group um, schedules. And I think that says a lot about 
uh, it's a far cry from from where we were in the past where that wasn't incorporated at all. Maybe yoga, which is extremely beneficial, I think so as well, um, but, but a little bit more movement, um, which I think is really cool. Uh, it sounds like also the area that you guys are in is beautiful. You mentioned like the walking trails and all of that. Uh, we had recently interviewed um, ultramarathoner Brian Ellis, and he mentioned a study. I still haven't looked it up, but about, was it hugging trees or something? Like actually there's something on the trees, the trees give off something that can like positively affect you. Is there an element? And again, I, I don't actually know because I didn't look into it yet, but is there something with like having your facility in such a beautiful place with all this nature, like that actually is positively affecting the people who stay there? I think so. Uh, but that's just my opinion. I think yeah. that, that having that, uh, the feedback I get so often from, from clients who are discharging or clients I touch base with after they've discharged is that that space is a really good, it's very conducive to healing. And I think that there is something to be said about leaving kind of the, the hustle bustle of our daily lives, especially if we're actively using drugs or drinking, but we're going to work and we're caring for our family uh, one day. And then the next day you're checked into an inpatient facility that's on sizable acreage uh, with no highway that you can hear or see. And you could see the stars at night and you see animals and you have walking trails. It's, it's I think, removing us from the hectic existence we're living and giving us a, a serene place to heal. Um, in that what's ultimately a really intense 30 to 45 days, right? Like you're, you're trying to accomplish and unpack a lot in a short amount of time. Um, so in my opinion, being in a place that you have some space to do that can be really beneficial. Do you deal with, um, I guess children as well as adults or is it, is it strictly adults? So we do, but only on the intensive outpatient level. Our residential facility is 18 and older. We just recently uh, initiated a program uh, that serves serves individuals that are 13 to 17 years old. And I'll say a big part of that is, you know, we meet twice during the week and then once on Saturday mornings. And that Saturday morning group is largely physical slash experiential. So either we have that same organization I've mentioned a couple of times come and bring workouts um, or we take them to the park uh, and hike four or five miles and, and experience nature and kind of have a little fun, feel a little bit more relaxed than being in that clinical setting of, of a group room or classroom kind of setting um, and, and kind of bring the therapy to other places, you know? Yeah. And, now is, and is the therapy, it is um, the therapy protocols for men versus women different? I would imagine youth versus adult are, but is, is men woman differences as well? I think the main thing that we try and do in that regard is we have groups where we separate men and women. And, and that's predominantly just to allow uh, for at least a feeling of a safe space, right? So process group is a time where clients have the opportunity to share what's going on, what they're feeling and have feedback from maybe their peers or have feedback from the clinician. Um, and, and we will oftentimes uh, separate men and women in those cases because sometimes there's complex trauma around, from women toward men or men toward women. Um, 
not that there aren't uh, trauma that can exist within those groups, but having that opportunity uh, to speak more freely, hopefully, uh, is something that we do to kind of employ that. Switching gears a little bit back to running, um, only a little bit because we're going to mix it together. Um, in your either personal or like work professional experience, because um, we've talked a lot about, and I mentioned when we first got on, um, that especially in like the books that are written or really successful endurance athletes, they mention either addiction in their families or overcoming um, their own addiction or, you know, some kind of mental health crisis that has helped usually propel them into their success. Um, have you found that to be true or do you think that like totally makes sense for whatever reason? Um, or is it kind of just like they found their why and they're now explaining it that way? I think there's, it's, I think it's an awesome question. I think there's a lot of things. I think one, like uh, uh, runners, I think are famously outspoken about running. So when you combine <laughs> like the, what running has done uh, for us combined with what maybe mental health treatment or what experience we've had, we can be really vocal about the positive effect that running and endurance sports have had with us. Um, but I think that there's there's a couple of things I've thought about recently kind of in preparation for this. Um, I think one, like especially in recovery, but be it from substance use or mental health, I think that when when we're moving on that right track, right? Like our life is kind of coming together. We're trying to do the next right thing. Um, we find that routine is really helpful to us and, and having like a daily physical routine or running routine can be really conducive to, to busying ourselves and calming the mind. Um, so I think that for that reason, uh, it's, it's, there's an ability to kind of seamlessly move into running and add that to part of our life. But I think combined with that, you know, something that's very cliche, but I think very true in recovery is that, right, the ultimate goal is a healthy life, right? Uh, maybe abstinence from a substance that's you, that, that you've been using, or maybe it's an absence of symptoms or a decrease in symptoms of whatever mental health issues we're dealing with. Um, and something that is said often is, right, like you can only take it one day at a time. And that one day at a time, when you string it together, kind of amounts to what this long-term goal is. And I find that running is really similar to that, right? Like, let's say you have your standard four month running plan, right? Your runner's world, download it. Like, here's my plan for the next four months. And in the end, your goal is to complete a marathon, right? Cause you're not really competing for it, but we're, we're just trying to complete it, right? That's the, that's the ultimate goal. But we can only do that by going one day at a time, waking up, finding that motivation to get out of bed. Some days it's hard, some days it's raining and it's cold. You know, just like sometimes we have struggles in a given day in our pursuit or of recovery. Um, but you string together enough of these these good running days and and you find yourself in that ultimate goal. And I think people in recovery, uh, when they start doing well, start feeling good and they want to see what else they can do. You see a lot of people go back to school, start new careers, form better relationships, right? Really change their life. And I think there's something to running, and I'm sure the same is for cycling, I think would be a good example, where people take to these pursuits because you spend a long time feeling not very good, and then you start feeling good. And you're like, wow, you know, what, what can this body do? What can this mind do? Um, so those are like a couple of correlations I could think of between that on a personal level. 
with that, because I think a lot of us runners at some point, we either are this person or we've known this person that has no balance in running, right? They're just a hundred all in, can't stop talking about running. Like you mentioned, if they miss a run for some reason, they're completely a mess. Like I've lost any sense of, I am a person outside of running. Um, and I imagine, you know, with, you know, residential treatment and all those things, like finding balance just in general is important for us to have like a happier, healthier life. So are there things that you guys help with, especially upon discharge of like, maybe in this setting balance is easier. Once you go out there in the world, it might be a little harder to help people find balance. Cause I think us runners could benefit from that, you know, just in general. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great question. I think that like a huge part of that is, is boundaries, right? Like we have a group every week dedicated to boundaries with different themes and curriculum. And I think ultimately a huge part of that is maintaining strong boundaries, right? A lot of times I think of treatment, you're there for 30 some odd days, right? And, and you're in a relatively safe space, right? You're not dealing with the stressors that you deal with when you go back home. Maybe you have children, a spouse that, that, that you've been struggling to, to communicate with and you've been removed from that and you've healed uh, or in the process of healing, but then you have to go back. You have the same boss, the same job, oftentimes the same stressors in your life. So how do you not let that overwhelm you to a point of, of taking a step backwards? And sometimes you're gonna, and sometimes you will. But I think something that we work on is, is helping people feel confident in setting boundaries uh, with their loved ones, with their work-life balance, with their, if they're really into running with that balance of running uh, so that they can not overload in, in, in the stress that it is to go back to life. Cause it's hard. Recovery is, is a journey, right? And it's a lifelong pursuit, right? Any day things can change. And it's kind of about where you're at and what you could lean back on uh, as your, your coping mechanisms, as your safety in that. Um, and a large part of that is is making sure that your relationships are as healthy as can be and making sure you can identify when there's not a healthy relationship and have tools to navigate that. Um, and that's certainly something that we work on. We see clients twice a week with their individual therapist um, with the hopes of being as intensive as we possibly can. I mean, ultimately, what the clients come forward with as they're presenting problems is what we're going to work on with them. Um, and I'll say that almost always uh, a, a reminder of the importance of boundaries and working on that is, is a huge part of, of what we work on with folks. Yeah, it's probably worse things to be obsessed with besides running, I suppose. For sure. I mean, I'll say from my personal experience, my girlfriend will joke with me because when I'm in like full on training mode, I totally relate with what you said, Tori, right? Like you miss a day and you're like invalidated. The rest of your day is ruined uh, and you have to really work to overcome that. And I think early in my recovery slash early in my, my hobby running career, um, it's something I really struggled with, right? Because it becomes part of, becomes part of your identity. And uh, I think for me, finding that balance is largely uh, comes in one listening to my body, right? Cause there's some days I've gone and run on, on swollen ankles and it's really not conducive to uh, the long-term goal, right? Re-injuring something. But then I'm thinking, oh, but this is such a big part of my recovery. I need to go do this. This is, I've set this routine and I've made these commitments and to be successful, I need to go on with this. Um, but I think ultimately uh, I feel my best now 
of doing this for a few years, reminding myself that I'm just doing the best that I can. And if for some reason, work, family, health, whatever it is, gets in my way of, of my daily run, then it's not meant to be. And I'll get on track tomorrow, right? We're not gonna we're not gonna lose our step training for a marathon missing one day. Uh, so I think that's important to remember. Yeah, hopefully everyone can have the same success you've had. So as far as recovering and getting you know, back to everyday life. So I appreciate that. Yeah. I appreciate that. Uh, I think I have one last question, not super running related. Um, cause I feel like I've gone on all the tangents away from everything I said we were going to talk about. I've kind of just gone everywhere else, which is typical me. Right. Um, so for people who are, and I'm sure, you know, everyone's journey is individualized and knowing you need help, I think can be really hard. I know, again, I worked in residential treatment for mental and behavioral health, but people had trouble finding us, right? Like they didn't know how to get services. They didn't know how to get started. Um, and again, that's usually a parent deciding for children to fight deciding for yourself, I think sometimes can be harder, but um, is there somewhere like where you should start so you can hopefully get help before you're at like a rock bottom and you're like, I don't know what to do at all. Um, I'm sure there's like a good place to start. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think when, when someone could identify that they need help, right? Like, and they don't know what that first step is looking and you, and you Google it and, and a bunch of different search results come up and you're, you're calling these different places. I, one thing I recommend is, is, uh, calling the number on your insurance card and finding out what's in your area that, that supports your needs. And, uh, and they're going to give you a list of the plate, the facilities that, that you're in network with. Now, if you don't have insurance or, or it's after hours, maybe that's harder to do, but I think that's one, uh, really good starting point. I think um, if it's, if it's substance use related, I think you can Google, for example, like what Alcoholics Anonymous meetings are near me. And that's not the only modality for, for recovery. It's, it's one of the more prominent ones, right? But it's a good place to just meet people who have experienced what you're experiencing and then can give you that advice, right? Where maybe they went to treatment or a therapist they see that specializes in that. And I think that for mental health, like depending on the severity, there, there are a bunch of steps, right? Like if you just think that you can benefit from seeing a therapist, you know, then I think Googling therapist near you or going on psychology today could be really beneficial. But if you're feeling, uh, uh, maybe you have suicidal ideation or, or you're feeling suicidal, right. Then, then that's an emergency services issue, right. Or, uh, going to a hospital, I think if we're feeling like that acuity is really there is 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 getting somewhere safe. And then a hospital uh, will always make sure that you have or or a hotline, right? will will provide you with resources um, for places to go. Um, and as a shameless plug, I'll say you can always call Ripple Ranch or go to our website because a huge part of my job, I'd say as much as any part, is just we I get we get so many calls each day for people that uh, we can't necessarily serve right there too far. We don't take their insurance and they wanna go somewhere that takes insurance or we're, we we don't have space in that given moment, right? And we make sure to myself and, and, and my supervisor, we call them back and we help them find somewhere that can take them, right? That's a huge part of what we do is not saying like, sorry, like we don't take such and such insurance, bye. 
right? We're, we're like, okay, but like, what's the insurance? What's your number? Let me dip into the resources that I've worked hard to build and find you that that place. Um, and, and we're not alone in that, right? A lot of centers, if you find somewhere near to you or you've heard something about somewhere, just call them and, and let them help you find that, 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 let them help you find the help you need, you know? Yeah, no, that is awesome. And there were some great tips in there that I didn't even think of like easy enough is just calling the numbers on your insurance company, uh, your insurance card. So that is, that is great. Um, I don't think I have anything else. Dad, do you have anything else you wanted to I add? Sam, this was great. I really appreciate it. Um, I, I appreciate your honesty and candor around just your own recovery journey. journey so, I appreciate that. And I, I really am very pleased to have been invited and now to have done this. Uh, you've gained a listener for sure, as I've spent my morning and yesterday listening to a bunch of pods. It's really fun. It makes me feel part of uh, a community, even though it's from a distance, you know, it reminds me how strong that runner's community is and how many people find passion in it, but also are helped by it. So absolutely a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for having me on. Yeah. I hope you're going to watch uh, Brittany runs a marathon based on, since you said you watched the movie reviews. So I've seen it and, and, and I'll be honest, I'm with you, Jeff. I, I liked it. I think that the Rotten Tomato <laughs> scores is evident of it being a quality flick. Like you said, it's, it's, it's not a, a hard movie to get through. It's a, it's a pretty light, easy movie, but it's got a good message. Uh, well, so team Jeff on that one. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I'm alone and thinking it's annoying. Just my house doesn't like it. Um, <laughs> Well, Sam, anything else? Um, I know you mentioned Ripple Ranch Recovery. You can reach out to them. How can we find you and any last things? Yeah. Um, so to find us, it's really easy. It's it's rippleranch.com and that'll take you to, to all of our services. And there's a chat box right there you can talk to. There's a phone number that, that comes right up on the screen. Um, so of course, anyone who's ever needing assistance in any way, mental health, substance use, please don't hesitate to reach out. Um, and I don't think I have any, any last thoughts other than truly, this has been a pleasure. I, I hope to connect again, um, and good luck on, on both of your upcoming races, as I'm sure you have some planned. Um, and yeah, thank you so much. Awesome. Thank you so much. Cheers, y'all. <laughs>